0: This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men In Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! It's Rog. Oh, it's Friday. Oh, thank the old gods and the new. It means we've made it to another week together. What a week. One filled with love, fear... Moments of struggle, togetherness, suddenly bald Premier League footballers are oh, welcome, ah, oh, the mountain goats, Austin Matthews stick flips, John Prine's music, marvelling at Charlie Methvin and Sunderland till I die season two, who can forget Winston Churchill day, John Green's joyous optimism, and perhaps most of all, big shout out to Kyle Walker. Oh, just imagine him sitting at home thinking, oh, Lord, feels like months since I had my last good old fashioned sex party. It's day 30 of lockdown life. And as I wrote in this morning's Raven, it's exactly the same amount of time as a World Cup. 30 days. And I must say this global pandemic, in a way, it's shed a lot with the World Cup experience, but in the darkest of ways. Pandemic and a World Cup. The entire globe united with a singular focus, spending our waking hours obsessing about the same news feed and feeling similar emotions. Whereas the World Cup, though, brings joy and shock and wonder. This just sucks. That's it. The pandemic. It's the crappest World Cup ever. You GFOPs, though, thank God for you, because you are getting me through it. Your email ravens your tweets, your suggestions, your life wisdoms. And I want to say this, we're going to get through this. We are, we are, we will be through this. And I feel it so strongly and we're going to do it together. Lifting each other up with our imaginations, with our creativity, with our new ideas, with our failures, our strengths, our weaknesses, our love and our care. These 30 days, they have been a dark struggle. They have. Even if you're on David Geffen's bloody boat, actually, especially if you're on David Geffen's bloody boat, scurvy baby, I hope that we are lifting you too. I really do. So let's keep tapping into that spirit over the next few hard grinding weeks ahead and then beyond. I guess my message is simple. We can do this. Having said that, few things bring cheer to us all here. And Men in Blazers more than your voice. More than your messages, more than your your questions, phoned in to our telephone switchboard. I don't know if you know this, I can tell you it now. Midge Maisel is actually manning our large, antiquated telephone switchboard herself. When you dial our number, it goes to the basement of her department store. You know the number, 646-450, write it down, 9472. Or if it's easier to remember, 646... Four hundred and fifty nine thousand four hundred and seventy-two. Each one of your voicemail questions is a living, breathing, joyous, poetic sign of life to all of us at Men in Blazers. Breadcrumbs marking their path, if you will, back through the enchanted forest. So buckle up. Let's retrace our steps together back to the land of wonder. You are listening to Chat Shit. Get answers on WGFOP The Bald. Producer Jonah... First a sting. you listening to W-G-F-O-P. <laughs> Oh, thank you, mighty Steve Thorne of Norman, Oklahoma. Proof of Steve Bruce's truth that everything in the world is better with some bacon bacon do you say stings our life keep sending them to us at wgfop the bald question numero uno hey Raj, this is mike live in baltimore originally from seattle so i am a sounders fc supporter been dabbling with different teams in the premier league so i'm trying to commit to one so my question to you is what would be the most american team in the premier league right now let me know Thanks. Oh, Mike. Oh, Baltimore. I love your city so much. It's the Liverpool of America. I can't wait to crab cake it up at Fadley's with you all there as soon as humanly possible. But your question on first blush was like a painful smack in the mush with a wet piece of haddock. The Premier League rarely felt less American. The great Paul Carr worked out, I think, that a mere 1,885 minutes. Sounds like our phone number have been played by Americans so far this season. Just over a 1,000 for Polisic, 773 by the great DeAndre Yedlin and Indy Vasilev, that intriguing cameo of 36 minutes. It means we are on pace for the fewest American Premier League minutes since 2000-2001 season when mighty Joe Max Moore was the only American representative. Yep, that man Everton fans kept calling Joe Max less. One of the great nicknames in Premier League history, to be honest. There's such little American rooting interest in the Premier League right now. I'd actually recommend any single Premier League team who's listening, if you want to grow your American footprint immediately, just splash twenty-one point eight million for Western McKinney and about thirty million for Tyler Adams, a combined forty million outlay. With a bit of change, but it will pay you back and then some in terms of the brand building opportunity. You'll become Team America instantly in the United States. Every fan will be following your every kick. Everton, I know you're listening. If you make it so, I will finance the purchase of one Tim Weyer who can sit on the bench and rack up some social vid clicks that will blow up like cute cat videos. I'll finance that out my own pocket. So let me answer your question by tweaking it slightly. Which Premier League team right now most embodies American values? I know, I know, American values, yes, before you write in, they're also in flux right now. So I'm going to answer it not by saying West Ham United. I'm going to project out the American values of the America I fell in love with, the America of my book that I'm working on, that swaggering, caring, creative, big dreams, anything is possible, America. Oh, and when you think about it like that, that team, It's got to be Sheffield United, a true collective, unwilling to listen to doubters, just swaggering around Premier League fields, buoyed by their own intelligent plan, collective endeavour and overflowing tenacity. Sheffield United are the America that I love. The America of Miami Vice, of Stevie Ray Vaughan, Molly Ringwald, Dinah the Movie, Run DMC, the Chicago Bears Super Bowl Shuffle era. Oh, creativity. Big Dreams and Chip Butty songs. An America where anything is possible. God love you, Billy Sharp. Next question. Professor, please. Rog, this is Chris Nutter from Sunnyvale, California. We've had a beer at the Dutch Goose and then the park. My clubs, Son of Earthquakes, Liverpool FC. My question, I want to know what skills, new talents, new projects are Premier League footballers and managers or even physios working on during quarantine? is Steve Bruce working on his pork-curing skills. Who is writing the next great novel who might be into, say, crochet? I am curious. Please let us know your thoughts on the question. Thank you. Courage. Hello, Chris. Hello, Sunnyvale. Look, at the end of this bizarre week in which the players and their clubs have been embroiled in a kind of Cold War in which they've been warring for public opinion over whether the teams or their stars should bear the financial brunt of football suspension, a bit like an inverse, bizarro US women's national team, US soccer situation. A cynic could say that the player's new talent is doing good deeds, doing good work for charity, seeing as so many of them are suddenly motivated by noble endeavours, giving money, food, medical supplies to at-risk populations. When you look at it, Every Premier League footballer suddenly wants to be with the elderly, be seen in low income neighbourhoods, and then flipping those deeds into newspaper features that maybe can shift the optics on whether footballers are overpaid and should be taking salary reduction, that narrative. Giving to charity suddenly seems to be kind of the new toilet roll keepy uppy video or shave all my hair off and join Team Bald on social media. But I am gonna sidestep my cynicism. Quarantine Rog, he's a positive Rog. A Rod who prefer to think about joyous things. Oh, like Steve Bruce collabing via Zoom with Sam Allardyce to create Pie Pornography's first great masterpiece of a movie. I made sweet love to that steak and kidney pie, I did. Oh, Paul Pogba starring in online fitness dance classes by doing, well, pretty much the exact same thing he's been doing all season on Insta, to be honest. I oh, love the thought of Michael Oliver, just keeping in peak condition. By doing dance dance revolution it's pretty easy to be honest who's writing the great novel as you ask because oh roy hodgson is a massive literary mind i crap you're not the fantastic british writer julian barnes we had him come in he was last year to pod about his love of leicester city and he told me roy is well known to turn up this is true at readings at bookstores all over london He's a literary addict. And Julian Bond, who is a massive football fan, always wants to talk tactics with the Crystal Palace manager. But Uncle Roy only wants to discuss his ideas about literary criticism. And I love that notion of a Roy on the sideline whose mind is not on an IU brother. It's on whether Christian Benteke is really just doomed to live out a Lenny small life from Of Mice and Men. Roy Hodgson Book Club is the best book club. In all seriousness, I do actually worry about so many of the players. We are not used to this kind of domestic life, any of us, but they are not used to it times a thousand. I mean, it's not just a sudden physical confinement, the unprecedented physical confinement for blokes who are used to kind of a life where they roll around the continent, hotel room to hotel room, playing games, expressing themselves on football fields across Europe. It's actually the mental confinement that I worry about. You meet top footballers and you realise, yeah, They're physically highly conditioned, obviously incredibly skilled physically, but the thing that sets the great footballer apart from the merely good one is an unbelievably competitive mentality. Almost across the board, that is their nature. They are seethingly locked in on winning. I'd love to speak to a sports psychologist about the kind of trauma, because it will be trauma in many cases that they'll be experiencing. And I mean this seriously. When a mind that's been honed, a mind that's been trained for years solely to compete suddenly can't do that suddenly can't compete at all to me that's properly fascinating oh producer jonah a sting wgfop the bar Tim R Stick in Longmont, Colorado. Oh, thanks for your beautiful message. You wrote your crap show is truly a bright spot in these strange days. Oh, backhanded compliments. The best kind of compliments. And thanks for creating this. Oh, the world needs more banjo, Timo. Call in your question right now. 646-450-9472. 646-450-9472. You're listening to chat shit get answered on WGFOP The Bald. Question to this, producer Jonah. Roz, this is Kenny calling from Richmond, Virginia. I'm a Spurs fan, um, and my wife is a Liverpool fan. Question for you, you spoke recently on the pod about your pride in making sure that your kids became Everton fans, even against the pressure of supporting uh, maybe a better team out of uh, Northern England. And my question for you is, what what hope do I have um, when my wife and I, who in the coming years intend to have children, what what hope do I have to fight against the the power of Fenway Sports Group and the influence? Is there anything I can do to try to influence them to pick Spurs? Appreciate everything you're doing. Courage. Bye. Kenny. Oh, Richmond. The best rich since Mark's. What a question. Look. I'm always fascinated by how new American fans emotionally connect to Premier League teams. I mean, you are here, far away from England. Sean of the regional connect that determined, well, pretty much everything in my day. You just supported your local team come hell or by high water. And that's changed generationally, I'll admit that. Even in England, the allure of the big six has made many a London kid, a Liverpool or a United fan even without a defined familial relationship in the North. And we used to have a feature on Men in Blazers that I loved. I loved it. It's called I Testify. Many of you older listeners will remember I Testify. We should actually bring it back. It's actually designed for these times where you can write the story of how you fell fast and hard for the game of football in general or your team in particular. These stories were often incredibly riveting to read. And the thing that made them riveting was just a crazy story, often a story of complete and utter chance. And the whole concept was triggered by a game in the early 2000s that I'd gone to a pub to watch. It was Everton playing Spurs. Actually, why be modest? It was a game in which Everton beat Spurs. So I'm in a pub, a packed pub, and I stood, as you do, by a complete stranger, a wonderful guy, American gent, who I noticed, leaves rolled up, had a Spurs team crest tattooed on his forearm. Full size, huge. And at half time, getting the pints in, and I asked him, How'd you get in the Spurs? And he told me a beautiful story. He explained to me that his last name was Thompson. And when he got into football two years previously, Spurs were then sponsored, and older Spurs fans will remember this by a large travel agent in Britain called Thompson Holidays. So his surname's Thompson, he sees Thompson Holidays, and he's like, That's my team. And I laughed when he told me this. I said, So you have gone from choosing a team by the most random of reason, the most obtuse reason, to feeling so emotionally connected to Tottenham Hotspur Football Club that you've had their logo tattooed on your person. And he nodded with a real gravity, a real beauty. And it was then that I realised just how deeply Americans can fall in love with the game I love incredibly quickly. All of which is to say, Ken, as with so much about your putative kids, and you'll discover this, I hope, there's only so much you can control. Yep, yeah, they can be directed, but they can't be commanded. And there is a predilection for American kids. They are drawn to winning teams in any sport. They love the biggest clubs. Americans just love winners. Even my own son, Samson, as you listeners will know, because I talk about it all the time. It was harrowing for me. He briefly supported Liverpool Football Club and I talked about it on a recent pod and it actually hurt me even to relive the 10 months or so when he supported Liverpool Football Club but the kids are going to watch football with fresh eyes. They're going to fall in love with players you and I can't even imagine liking. They're going to play EA Sports FIFA and just have a completely different experience than us but they will watch with you and there is by the way I'll throw this one out. A possibility that in the future, the next generation will not support teams at all. They'll just fall in love with individual players. And when they move, their affections for that team will also shift with them. You know, like Ronaldo moving from Real Madrid to Juventus. There is a reason that football's biggest stars have far more followers on social media than the biggest clubs. But I digress. All I can say is this, Ken. I wish on you and your future offspring joy through football. Because, (sighs) At the end of the day, football's just a convener and a conveyor of memories, shared collective memories. Proof, it's almost a year to the day that I took my daughter Zion to her first game at Goodison Park, along with my three sons and my old man, Judge Ivor, three generations of Everton Blues, watching Everton 4, Manchester United 0. It did happen. It wasn't science fiction. I've got photographs to prove it, and when I look at them, which I do often, it reminds me... Football, at its core, is a story of generations, of shared memories, shared memories pass from parents to children, from children to grandchildren, and back and forward, by the way. And the memories of that match rekindle memories of my own childhood, mixed with my daughter's passion and excitement. That made it one of the greatest days of my life. And I wish it on you, Ken, and every listener. Producer Jonah, once more into the breach, dear friends, once more. Raj, this is Blake Edwards in Charlotte, North Carolina, Arsenal fan. My question for you is my wedding on March 28th in Charlotte got canceled due to COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And uh I have to ask, I'd love to know your thoughts. What do me and my bride-to-be do? Where do we go from here? I love you. Courage. Oh, Blake, Blake, Blake. First of all, oh, mate, mixed emotions, I'm sure. Congratulations first. I raise my bud fam, blood fam, to you and your bride-to-be, to to life, to love, to human connection, to feeling things. Yeah, let's say that, to feeling things. All right, on one hand, I can't imagine what you're dealing with. What a logistical nightmare. What a mess you must be grappling through of cancellations, of disappointment, of moneys down, of caterers, of non-refundable deposits. Oh, those three words must be the bane of your existence right now. And I bet the videographer, always the bloody videographer, is trying to rip you off. So much tactical stress for you. I mean, dancing at the wedding with your entire family, I love that. I've always tried to revel in family celebration. So to be robbed of one, Blake, I also feel deep pain for you. However, however, here's what I'd say. however. I believe every relationship has a foundation myth. And here's the good news. The foundation myth is a it's a story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And I think that story is really important. Because at key moments in your life to come, you will revert to that myth. And if it's a myth that serves you, you will draw strength from it. What do I mean? By way of example, I got engaged to my wife by complete accident. So we're sitting on the couch together. I'd actually just been sent off in a football match for fighting. The team had a huge pair of twin brothers from China. They played centre-back together. They were feisty cats, let's just say that. Anyway, my wife was furious that I'd been red-carded, that I'd been in a quarrel with them. And she said, Oh, we're sitting there, we're having a couple of beers. She says, When we have kids, you are never going to coach them at soccer. I just heard those words and I just said what do you mean what what, what do you mean are we gonna have kids and she looked at me she's like yeah and there was a pause I had another slug of beer and I said so does that mean we're engaged then and Vanessa goes yeah I guess I guess it does yeah so I got engaged on a couch in my football shorts, my legs were caked with mud, and a six-pack of buds, not the most romantic, huh? And I'm so grateful that that is how it went down because, to be honest, <laughs> I always pity people who have, like, elaborate engagement mechanisms. Like, I had a mate who climbed a mountain, like a real mountain, a crap you're not. I mean, he schlepped up this thing, buried a ring at the peak, and then the next day, he and his future wife climb that same mountain. They get to the top, and he pretended to tie his shoelace, and while he's down there, he dug out the ring that he buried on one knee, proposed. And the marriage lasted about five years, give or take. Of course it did. Of course it did. It was doomed. It never really stood a chance, in a way. I mean, first of all, I'll be honest, I never understood the burying the ring thing. Why couldn't the ring have just, you know, been in his pocket the whole time? It seemed an unnecessary step. But the real point I'm trying to make here, Blake is that from my mate and his wife, life was never going to get better than that moment on top of the mountain. And that moment was artificial. It was pre-planned, inauthentic. It was bullshit. I mean, it's bollocks. Life is not artificial. Life is not pre-planned. Relationships, they're not easy. They are super hard. They take a ton of work, consistent work. I mean, yes, they need to be about sharing joy, definitely being able to laugh together, but they also need to be built to survive struggle, to persevere, to be hardy, built around mutual support for each other. You see where I'm going with this. So I don't believe relationships should be forged on top of a mountaintop. I mean, yes, you get that one, a thousand plus like photo on Insta, but you want a relationship that can build to that kind of a high naturally. And I'd say, Blake, you and your partner, I wish I knew a name, you will forever have a relationship forged in memories of these times. Times of challenge. Times of adversity. Times, most importantly, that you have survived together. And that will be your foundation myth. And I promise you, it will give you all the confidence and mutual self-assurance you'll need in each other. Because let's be honest, if you can survive this, it's true, you can survive anything. So Blake, climb, ascend together And if you want one more piece of unsolicited advice, really goofy advice, to be honest. Dance together. Dance, as you say in America. Dance alone in quarantine. Dance together. Dance your bits off. I did, myself, the other day. I'll be honest. When I was preparing for the John Green interview, and he talked about, before we did the interview, he talked to me about the Mountain Goats track he wanted to recommend this year. I used to love that song. Hadn't heard it in ages. And I was in the room, going through my notes, and I just put the song on and without thinking got up and danced around my room like a madman on my own and it felt magnificent it was liberating it was exhilarating so do that Blake everyone who's listening should do that that's my advice Blake dance your pants off dance to the tune that was going to be your first dance at your wedding best first dance song ever Van Morrison's Comfort You Oh, tell me life doesn't feel better if you dance to that song. In this song, if you don't know it, go and Spotify it, comfort you. Van spends his whole time talking about how he wants to carry his love, you know, be a manly man, supporter, comforter. Oh, And then right at the end, classic Van, he pivots and he admits, when it gets too much for me, when it gets too much, much too much for me, oh, I'll do the same thing that you do. And I'll put my weight on you. That's what a relationship is, and that Blake is my message to you. So fear not, support each other, all of you listening. Comfort each other. This is, in many ways, the greatest way to start on your lifelong work, lifelong hard work that is a relationship worthy of that Van Morrison song. That's what we should all aspire to together. That's it. A footballless weekend awaits us. Let's vow right now, right here, we're going to make it through till Monday together. We will know that I love you. I really do. That I'm here if you need me. That we're all here at Men in Blazers if you need us. And if you want to call Midge Mizell at 646-450-9472, call her and ask us your most brilliant, most burning life question. And we'll answer them badly. Until then, courage.